the Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. As always, Crystal Palace focused, but with a uh, different blend and mix as we can. Uh, really pleased to welcome a special guest this evening, uh, Ben Wood, who's an Aston Villa fan, because we're here to talk about Crystal Palace's unfortunately 3-0 defeat, or actually fortunately for Ben, but not not, not fortunately for, for me, Luke and Kevin. So Ben, ben welcome welcome to the pod. Hello. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Uh, pleasure, to, pleasure to chat to you. It's great to have you here, Ben. Thank you. Despite the result for Palace, which as I mentioned, was a, was a 3 nil defeat away at Villa Park. Uh, as always, I mentioned, as I've mentioned already, I'm joined by my brother Luke. Hello Matthew, how you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too. And Merry Christmas to all our listeners, I should have said that as well. Uh, sorry about that. And Kev, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Matt. Good to good to see you, but it'd be nice to actually get on one of these where we weren't actually losing. But uh, there you go. Seems to be the theme <laughs> at the moment, doesn't it, unfortunately? Yeah, and as, as we alluded to just before we, we joined uh, on the pod as well, whenever we invite a guest, we seem to uh, to, to curse it for Palace anyway. So, uh, as always, don't forget to follow the Six Pointer Podcast on Instagram at Twitter at Six Pointer Podcast. Uh, and please do subscribe as well uh, through your usual uh, pod outlets to make sure you get the latest and greatest pods uh, from us um so palace lost three nil today uh it was uh well an interesting first half from a two different perspectives lots of uh i suppose big big matters that happened and then uh unfortunately for palace but ben you you'll probably have enjoyed the second half for palace bit of a, well, a really disappointing second half considering it was largely uh, 11 versus 10 men um, Luke, I'll start with with you. We actually started really bright, Zahar, with a with a really good chance, didn't we? Great through ball from from Tekkers as well to to um, to put him through, and Zahar sort of had an ongoing battle with Mings, didn't he, throughout the first half, and that was just just the, the first sort of flashpoint of it. And I think uh, drew a save from the keeper, didn't he, which is a, a decent save, and it was all go from the from the start. And as it seems to be with Palace recently, you either score early or concede early, and that seems to dictate the flow of the game. Yeah, and unfortunately it was the latter, wasn't it, Kev? Villa went ahead, what was it, five minutes it took this week? It was seven minutes last week, it's Liverpool, it was five minutes today. Mm. Yeah, I believe, yeah, four or five minutes in fairness. I mean, uh, myself and Ben were chatting just before you boys joined the pod, and Although that Zahar chance was in 45 seconds, it, it, it was quite a big moment in that first half because Villa then, I think, I don't think we hardly touched the ball for the next 10, 11 minutes. Uh, and they started to dictate it, obviously scored the goal, keeper made the save, but we were slow to react as always. And uh, I think it's Traore uh, followed up, uh, took his goal well. So, you know, they were in the ascendancy, looked very good. And for that first 11, 12 minutes, uh, they, they looked excellent. I thought we then came back into the game a bit and it became a bit of a cancelling each other out. But, um, but you know, um, as you've already alluded to, um, there'll be a few flashpoints. Um, but second half, it was all one way. And it should have been, with respect, one-way traffic in Palace's favour. And it, it really wasn't. Uh, I think we were taught a footballing lesson second half, to say the least. I think, as you said, Kev, Villa, Villa did start really well. And Ben, we'll ask you for your views on it. Are Villa normally a sort of a out-of-the-blocks team? Because the first 20 minutes, as Kev alluded to, um, I remember recollecting that Palace didn't get near the, near the ball. 
Um, no, I don't think we've really been a, a, you know, out firing right from the first whistle necessarily. Um, I mean, the, the only thing that, that we have had this season is the, the score first and win, concede first and, and lose. You know, the exception being the, the, the nil-nil. So in every game that has been a goal, it's been the, the first goal has been absolutely decisive. So no, not normally that quick off the mark. It's normally a bit of a bit of a build. And like saying the West Brom game, you know, we, we added the second against 10 men late on. We, we, we tend to sort of grind teams down at the moment. We kind of work hard and... Yeah, that, that running and closing seems to be working for us. And when teams get tired and try and come at us, then, then we're hitting them on the break, which is kind of what we did jump into the second half there. So no, a, a, an early goal, a nice one inside five minutes, a bit of a, a bit of a rarity. And um Traore with his uh, with his right foot, which is just the standing on normally. So I think um, I mean, you kind of know it's going to be your day when uh, when that happens. So did, did you whack all of your uh, Christmas money that you got then yesterday onto a Villa win when they went one nil up? Then you thought this is it? <laughs> no, I still I still wouldn't dare do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dangerous game betting in the football team. That's for sure. From what we know of Palace, I mean, I, you know, when I was when I was thinking back about the the first half, we'll come on to a couple of big talking points. But actually, my recollections of it are being really pleased with Wilf tracking back, which says something, doesn't it, with just how, how it did go for Palace. Um, and I think that probably the, the next big sort of talking point in that first half was what I would say was a real non-event, but they spent about three or four minutes looking at it, which was that, um, that, that well, it wasn't even a touch, was it really, in the, in the penalty box on PVA, right, Luke? No, I, I didn't really think. I mean, if you see it in, in real time and you see a bloke going towards him, um, you're immediately going to think there's a hint of a penalty there. But the, the, as soon as you saw it replay back, it was never. I, I don't know why why there was a hold up in terms of looking at it from so many different angles and then sending the ref to go and have a look at it, but then stopping him halfway and then sending him. It was a bit of a palaver, a bit of pantomime, wasn't it? I, I, was, I was amazed by it. I must admit, I was absolutely amazed. I couldn't believe. I mean, when I saw it live, I thought, no, no way penalty. You know, it's a good tackle. There was no sort of force on the player. There was nothing sort of dodgy in it. But yeah, like you say, there was a, yeah, a pantomime is probably a good way of doing it. Perfect for Boxing Day, right? And, 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 and he was pretty good, actually. Was it, was it um, Madley, the ref? Today, I can't think his name. I can picture Anthony Taylor, wasn't it? Was it Taylor. Anthony Taylor? Yeah, That's Anthony it. Thank Taylor. you. Madly was the last game, wasn't he? Yeah, you're mm. right. Yeah, and, 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 I, I thought he dealt with it really well, considering. But yeah, yeah, madness, Kevin. Another bit of VAR, VAR pantomime, as Luke says. Well, it was. I mean, as you say, it was still going. I was just looking at the telly on Sky Sports to see if they're still reviewing it at the moment because it seemed to take forever. <laughs> but uh, I think they've just finished reviewing it now. So uh, yeah, it's definitely no penalty. Uh, we're okay to carry on. But yeah, I mean. When they made him go and look at it, I thought, oh, my goodness, maybe they've seen something no one else has seen. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but you know, after, after last season's uh, debacle up at Villa Park, when uh, we got one off the shoulder up there, which got disallowed, I thought it was going to even itself up, but then it didn't. <laughs> but there you go. These things happen, right? These things happen. Never a penalty in, in a million years. But there you go. I thought exactly the same as you though. When when he went over to look at it, I was like, oh well, that's this is this is what comes before the decision gets uh, yeah. changed. And I thought, yeah, yeah, maybe you've not seen it. Maybe there's an angle that we're going to see it slightly differently from. But um, yeah, credit yeah credit to the referee on that one. It's, um, not yeah. often I think that's happened that he's gone over Re- and gone. You know what? I was right first time. So yeah, refreshing to see, wasn't it? Refreshing yeah. to see, yeah. and hopefully that will give more referees the confidence to do it because not no one even questioned it, did they? And I think he was quite firm in what he said. He said, no, you know, and that was it. And on, on we go. But as you say, Matt, we'd lost about four or five minutes of drinking time by that point, which was disappointing. Yeah. We have, ben, we have a bit of a love-hate with VAR on this pod. Palace have had some real, in the last couple of years, 18 months, some real, uh, you know, 
things turn around for us, but then also some crazy moments. So yeah, <laughs> you can't you can't call it with Palace. How about Villa? What's your experience with VAR? Uh, we've had a yeah, I think we've had a few. I think I think everyone feels hard done by it, don't they? It's um, I know towards the end of last last season there was a, a couple of decisions and. People were pointing at stuff that was going against us. Ben. But, um... Couple of decisions. The Sheffield United game. <laughs> well, where you got your point. Where yeah, the, in fairness, fair, the goalkeeper did only have it over the line for about five seconds yeah. before they went. Quick, get out, get out. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I was, I was going to say, if, if you're talking about VAR, we've had a few things go against us. If you're talking about goal line technology now, well, that's 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 different matter. That's a different fair matter. Fair play to you. Fair play to you, mate. I mean, it was Fair the first game back after the lockdown, wasn't it? So someone off, you just forgot to switch it on, I reckon, they didn't on that, turn that, it on, that first they? day. Didn't That's turn it on. <laughs> yeah. So some, some, some folks had a half time I, was running I, down I, the tunnel I, trying to find a switch. Can I just say, though, off the back of that, and we'll come on to this, mm. how blimmin' well have Villa done, though, since that? You, if you think, mm. I think they said on the Sky Sports, they were seven points adrift when they played Palace with four games to yeah. go. They've stayed up. And, and I think Ben and I were talking just before you boys came onto the pod. You've now got 25 points and you've played two games less than Chelsea. Fair play and credit where credit's due. And in fairness, I know we'll come on to it. It hasn't all been about Grealish. The work rate of the Villa boys today was outstanding. And at 2-0 up, when they're chasing, the speed with which Grealish broke for that third goal, which we'll come on to, that says everything about a team that's enjoying their football and, and talk about make the most of a good opportunity. Fair play to Villa. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a bit more about, before we get to that, talk a bit more about pantomime, because there was a bit of pantomime bet- between Wilfred Zaha and Tyrone Mings today, wasn't there? There was an early bit of interaction that Luke said in the sort of the first few seconds, if you like, opening seconds, opening minute, where, where Zaha went through on goal and was dealt with. Was that Mings, was it? Yeah. 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 Then, then, then there was the, the spat that, I mean, Kev, you text on our group and said, was it, I think Kev, you said, or Luke, you said, one of you said it, that you thought there was a stamp there. Or he was trying to stab, and I, I actually thought it was a lot of just a lot of handbags. To be honest with you, Wilf was really annoyed by something. But Kev, what did what did you see? Well, the way I see it, and in fairness, it was only you know for Wilf to react like that. We know that Wilf can be a bit highly strung, but he's used to being kicked a bit like Grealish. He's used to being kicked all over the park. For him to react the way he did, something had had to happen. And when they showed it on the slow down, you could see, in, in my opinion, and I think Luke, you sent the what's been on Twitter or something. It looked as though he attempted to almost stamp on him. He mistimed it, really? and, and I think that's what and I think that's what Wilf reacted yeah. to. Um, and it's on the Twitter thing. And you know, there's no re- there's Wilf was lucky to stay on. Let's be honest, because of the way he reacted, he shouldn't have necessarily stayed on. But it was a bit naughty of Tyrone. I thought, you know, he's a great defender, but I thought that was pretty in pretty poor taste. I mean, it might have been mistimed because when when it's slowed down, it always looks worse than it is. But it didn't look very nice. And, and I think if he'd connected with him, he would have done him quite a bit of damage. That was just my honest view on it at the time. I think there's a couple of bits there, Kev. So for, from last season's game, I seem to remember, because because Villa were leading, weren't they? And Palace were chasing the game. I seem to remember the ball going out behind the goal and people being slow to retrieve it and Wolf getting quite upset about that. About me. So there was a little altercation off, off, off the pitch last season. And I wonder if that might have brought on to, you know, obviously coming together in the first opening minutes, there was probably some some words exchanged there. And if you actually look at it, Wilfred's a hot, is it McGiven, the, the midfielder? McGinn. Uh, McGinn, sorry. Wolf pushes him over. So it's a foul from Will. So I think then Mings has then retaliated and, and like you say, try to, there was intent to catch him, I think, there. But yeah. Ben, what, what, what did you think of it? I must admit, on, on first play, um, I didn't think anything of it from, from Ming's point of view at all. All I really saw was him sort of going, yeah, but maybe a bit, a bit of contact, but nothing that seemed 
anything of note. Um, and my first reaction, I must admit, when I saw sort of the, the bit of the grappling, it looked like Zahar had swung, to be honest. That was my first thought. I thought just in that kind of pulling of shirts and swinging of each other, um, my, my first reaction was that he'd, um, that he'd swung at Mings. And I thought, he's, he's, he's done, he's, he's gone. Um, and then, yeah, when, when you saw it, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the intent. I think maybe, yeah, maybe Mings was going through and, and sort of maybe there might have been a little bit of a... I'll just let you know I'm here, and it didn't look like anything nasty to me. I, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't see a, a stamp in there. But I also think there was probably something in it of him saying, "Yeah, just, just letting you know I'm around." Um, but I've got, I mean, the, the whole thing. I thought, um, and I don't mean this not not in a derogatory way, and very much in a in a way that we that, that we see it with Greedish and love it when it happens. Um, I think Zahar played things completely in those five mm-hmm. minutes. That being the starting point for it. Yeah. Um, that little grapple, I think he made enough of it that actually, if there'd been nothing, if there hadn't been any, if they hadn't have held on to each other and swung around and caused that little bit of a bit of a kerfuffle, I don't think anyone would have got booked in all honesty. I don't think the referee was looking at that as anything bad from Mings in the first place. It would have been done, yeah, done and, uh, and over with. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think Zaha completely completely played him. Now, I think he took a yellow card himself for it, but you'd probably take that. You're attacking player on a yellow against a, a centre half on a yellow from in in the first half. And yeah. then the uh, and then the sending off after. I thought he just completely did him. And Mings, for an international footballer, was uh, stupid to be honest to to have got involved in any of that, and then to have got caught out for the second yellow. Um, he was always going to go. So yeah, I, I think I think Zaha was really clever. I think he completely completely outfoxed Mings on that one. Um, whether you think it's the right way or wrong way or, or whatever it is, but we know with Greenish, you know, you you sort of yeah. there's opportunities for contact. It might look, it might not necessarily be a, a terrible foul, but. You take what you get, and if the referee decides to throw a second yellow in, so be it. And I think Zaha set Mings up perfectly with that, in all honesty. Yeah. What's your I, take on it, Matt? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Luke's right. I think there is previous there, uh, because I, 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 I have a dislike for Tyrone Mings, but in the sense that I'd love him in my team. Um, and it's that dislike that, you know, I, I know there's been something with Palace before where he's, uh, was it against, it might be against, Ball, was it Bournemouth before? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I think there might be something at like Bournemouth. At Sellers, wasn't it? We were at a game and something happened. I remember. Yeah, that. yeah that's sent back off or, there is something, but, but, but saying yeah. that, I mean, absolute uni, he's quick, you know, he's, I, 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 is he left back, Ben? Is that right? Uh, Mings, um, right, yeah, center off, sort of left, left back, become okay. center half, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you definitely get the team over PVA, Patrick Van Arnold, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's one of those players you kind of love, love to hate, if you like, in that sense, as an opposition team. And, and I think you're, you've called it absolutely right in the sense that, I mean, we know that Wilf has that, um, again, got to look pantomime analogy, pantomime villain sort of element to the game. He plays up to any sort of uh, foul he gets on him, any sort of um, tough tackling or whatever it might be. He's not a diver, as people say he is. He's definitely not a diver. Uh, But similarly, you probably get it with Greedish. They they get a lot of attention. They get a lot of aggression towards them because they are, they're going to make you look silly if they leave you in your ass, right? So as as an opposition player, you don't want that. So they they definitely play up to it. Kev, I I don't, I didn't think there was anything much in it. Um, I didn't, I didn't see the stamp. I know when you guys were saying on the on the chat that there might be a stamp. I didn't see that, but there was another Villa player who got involved as well. Was it trial Ray? There was there was others getting involved. It's that kind of thing where it just all blows up and it all looks a lot worse um, when it's kind of going on. And you can decide dissect it and cut it in a number of number of ways. Yes. But I think um, you guys have touched on it. it. Then built up to what happened. Then shortly after, which was the sending off. And you know he left him, hadn't he? And he had no choice. However, I'm surprised he did what he did. And Ben, it'd be interested to get your, your thoughts on this as a, as a Villa fan, someone who watches him more regularly, is that I didn't, he wasn't the last man. 
So, okay, Wolves beat him and he, he's gone. But did he have to make the challenge he did on a yellow card where he did? As a Villa fan, I'd be peed with him for doing that. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, again, first thing, that as soon as he did it, the instant was, ah, he's off, idiot. And, and it was, it was yeah, it was completely unnecessary. But I think, it, I think it came down to, if that doesn't happen five minutes earlier, I, maybe, maybe he doesn't do that. Maybe there was something in there. I'm, yeah, I'm not letting you pass me. But yeah, again, like I said, he was, he was just, Zaha was quicker and smarter and just completely did it. It's the exact thing we've seen Grealish do dozens of times. Yeah, wait for the ball to come, knock it. I'll, I'll let you just put your hands out. I'll let you just block me off. Down I go, yellow card all day long. And yeah, you can't argue. I mean, they... In isolation, both things that Ming's got booked for were kind of something and nothing. There was no, on the, on the face of it to me, no bad foul involved. He didn't do anything awful, but he was always going to go. As soon as he did it, you knew he was off. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I've seen quite a bit on, on social media afterwards and, and Villa players apparently saying what they thought it was a terrible decision, having a you know, chirping away at the referee as he went. But I think if you watch that back after, that's that's a yellow card. You just know it is. Yeah, no, no, no arguments in terms of in terms of the decision, but yeah, arguments rarely against Mings. He, he's been really good for us. He's he's a leader at the back and he doesn't often make he makes mistakes. I'll give him that. He doesn't often make bad decisions though. Yeah, he'll mm. he'll, he'll miss time stuff. He might miscue something every now and again, but um yeah, he doesn't normally doesn't normally do that. He's normally pretty in control of what he does and, and where he does it on the pitch. So yeah, I was does a he bit miss, surprised. Does he miss his game straight away, Ben? Is it a, an immediate ban? So does he miss yeah. the game in two days' time? I yeah. believe so. Yeah, when Louise got sent off the other week for two yellows, he missed the uh, he missed the game straight after. So and what, um, I'm, and, I'm assuming. And you got you've got Chelsea. Is it Chelsea in a few days' time or have yeah I, yeah Chelsea on the twenty eighth. Yeah. That's right. So that's a big it's a big game to have him missing in. But the way you then then played, let's be honest, was. Uh, it was pretty impressive, really, let's be honest. And that was just before half-time, wasn't it? And, and as Palace fans, we're going into that half-time break thinking, right, here we go, second half, 1-0 down against 10 men. But actually looking back and reflecting on that, thought now, <laughs> and I'm not just saying this could a second-half result, but Palace are uh, a lot better when they don't have the ball, when they are up against it. Uh, and, and we, therefore, in the second half, were expected to have the ball as the team of 11 men. Um, I thought Roy might make a change. I thought he might make some sort of change. Um, I, I, I thought that game was screaming out for Width and Andros Townsend to come on and to give us a bit more um, opportunity to get ball in the box with Benteke because we certainly didn't do that in the second half. Benteke didn't get a sniff in that first half. And, and, and Ben, you've probably seen, he's, he's scored a few goals recently, you know, mm-hmm. despite he's, he's missing a game because of his ridiculous red card the other week that, that you know, we can talk about later on. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's been pretty good, both in terms of contribution and, and scoring a few goals. Um, but he didn't get, didn't get a sniff in that, in, that, in that first half. And unfortunately, that continued in the second half. So, yeah, we didn't make any changes at halftime from Palace's perspective. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed for that second half because that, for me, was Palace's opportunity. They shouldn't have, have lost that game. Uh, as, as a team of 11, 11 men. But that, that's my view, Kev. Yeah, I think I think we had a couple of text exchanges, didn't we? I think we all said it, you would have almost thought it was us with 10 men, the way they played. But Villa just were, were so much cuter than us second half, the way they played the game. We didn't really get at them. I think I text at half time to say this is a big half for us to see where our intent was. And I think we left our intent back in the changing room. I didn't really feel anyone came out with any... Uh, any real drive, uh, Wilf, you know, ran at him a few times. You know, I know Luke got on my case because I said about Eze, I'd like to see him work a bit harder. I would have liked to see him drive at him a bit, but I just don't think we did. Having said that, I thought both the um, 
both the Villa fullbacks were very good. Target, I thought, was very good. Not a lot got past him. A bit like when we played West Ham the other week and we couldn't get past Kufau. We just couldn't get past him and we just didn't seem to deliver anything. And then I think to get suckered into, you know, the Luca ridiculous challenge where the guy's going nowhere on the corner uh, for the free kick, which comes in. And then obviously Scott Dan, bless him, has uh, gone out with lead in his boots and not been able to jump up uh, and get out jumped by the guy. Just disappointing, but... I, I didn't want to text you boys because that's when I just had my bit of bad news. But I thought this has got two nil written all over it, uh, sadly, because of the way we were playing and the way we're, they were. But then they just went on and got stronger and stronger, Villa. And um, it became uh, a bit more of a pantomime second half. I thought I thought the pantomime was uh, last Saturday against Liverpool, but it became even more so this Saturday um, against, um, against Villa in the second half. But as we said earlier, credit where credit's due. I thought Villa were excellent second half and... Palace, if I'm honest, and I hate to say this, I thought we looked a bit clueless, to be honest with you. Oh, no, it wasn't, Kev. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the problem is there is that we we didn't react to the situation. So you go in at half-time, don't you know that you're going to come out and face 10 men, know that they're going to sit and and try and pick you off counter-attack, which they did perfectly. It's almost like what Palace are very good at doing. Palace are very good at sitting, absorbing a lot of pressure and then breaking very effectively through through Zahar and, you know, really have got the got Grealish to be able to do it as well so I guess it's disappointing because it's it's almost like we've seen it before we've, we've seen Palace do it so it's frustrating that you, you saw it being done to you as it were and very effectively yeah like like you said Matthew I think the game was crying out for a bit of whip you've both got Eze and, and Schluppy on the wings who want to naturally come into the middle so there's a, there's a bit of a gap there almost you know that you can exploit so Andros could have come on a, a half time or a little bit earlier and just give Tech as the service because we, we saw when Joel Ward was bombing down the wing against West Ham um, last week, a couple of weeks ago, that cross balls into the box and Benteco gets head of him. And we just didn't do that today. I just, I, why, not, why would you play a man and then not play to your strengths? It didn't make any sense to me. But fair play to Villa in terms of their attacking intent. And they absolutely carved us apart, especially for the third goal. It was, it was knife through butter stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, it, from Palace's perspective, that second half was abysmal. Nothing short of. I mean, we were so off the pace. I actually didn't think we really got out of first gear for the whole game. I, I don't know if it's they were still shell-shocked from that Liverpool result, whatever it was. I mean, Roy said the training had been good and so on and so forth. Whether that's just saying his piece, you know what he needs to say, but... Yeah, it was it was it was a poor poor day at the office um, for for us certainly. Kev, you you touched on the the the, sorry, the first goal, the second goal. Already one nil down by this point, but the the second goal. I must say, I think we've been a bit harsh on Scott Dan, but I'm not in disagreement with you about the the Luca um, one. And I am I think I said it last week on on the pod. I'm amazed that Luca still is starting, you know. And I, I hats off to Roy for pulling him off. Should have done it a lot earlier. Uh, should have maybe not started. Gyro was so much better. Uh, and, you know, we've seen him drop the captain before. Um, so, you know, he, he will do it clearly. And I do wonder if this is the time. Um, but there were a number of weak links there today. Uh, I thought Joe Wall completely lost his man for the third goal. Was that the third goal? Yeah. Um, shit in the third, mate. Uh, it was just, yeah. It was just, it was, so there was a number of had a bad day today. Sorry, Kev. So, so yeah, I think I think there's some the goals Sorry. were dis- Sorry, the, the goals were disappointing from Palace perspective, but Palace never really came out of the blocks and missed the opportunity. Um, ben, you're probably thinking second half is going to be a bit dodgy, a bit ropey. But actually, it was the complete reverse for you. Absolutely, yeah, I was saying yeah, text texting people and yeah, talking over half time, and the first thing I said was it's going to be a long 45 minutes now. Um, yeah, thought we're going to come under come under pressure. Um, you know, concert just coming coming in at half time, a bit cold after being out. You've got your other backup centre half in there, so it's a 
you know, and not not untested pairing. They, they've both got a bit of experience now, but not really played together this season. So, but yeah, we're going to come under a hell of a lot of pressure. And we kind of saw that first five, ten minutes out without too much trouble. We had a bit, bit more possession and a bit of pressure. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing that really troubled us at all. And then you start to sort of sit a bit easier, you know, sitting a bit further back in my me, in me chair rather than perched on the edge. And yeah, a bit, bit more relaxed as it went on. And um, soon, soon, when the second one went in, you, I thought that was it. That, that, was, that was the game done for sure. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to say, that Watkins hit the bar for that second goal. Well, mm. how, how impressed have you been with him in terms of, obviously, he's been untested in the Premier League and coming in for a lot of money. It could, come, could yeah. rise up to 30 million, is it? Yeah. What, what, what were your thoughts on him? Uh, superb, to be honest. At the, I've not seen a striker like him at Villa for a long time. Um, and I know he's, it's a funny one. He scored six in the Premier League, I think. And, and, yeah, and three of them were against Liverpool. He hasn't scored in the last six games. It's one of those, you know, you can take the stats either way on him, but what he does for the team is is phenomenal. I think he, he sets the tone for us. Um, he doesn't doesn't stop running. At, I mean, at 3-0, I was thinking, take him off, save him, because look at him, he's still tearing around after everything. But he appears to have got bag, bags of energy. Um, he's not a particularly big guy, but he wins his fair share in the air. And, and more so than that, he doesn't just flick balls on to no one. That's what I really like about him. Balls that are played up to him. He wrestles with a bigger defender. He gets in front. He gets his body in, and he gets the ball down and does something with it. Yeah, his his work rate is absolutely phenomenal. I saw something earlier. Actually, someone said um, someone said he's, he's he's our new Dean Saunders, and he, he's a bit like that. He will just run and run and run. I think he'll chase him. He'll score some cracking goals. He'll score some simple goals, but he will run all day. What um, I like I about really him, like him is he play he plays with a smile on his face as well. He's a bit like Eze. Eze mm. didn't play with a smile on his face today, but he does and. And that's what you want, isn't it? You want players yeah. who come in who are hungry uh, and almost almost a little bit humble with it uh, and just yeah. get on with it. And um, yeah. fair play to him, as you say, his work rate. Because I, I think, you know, I think Palace were chasing him in the summer mm. as well. There was talk that we were linked with every Brentford player, I think. Yeah, me being a bit harsh on Scott Dan, you know, in fairness, it was more the fact of how quickly the chap reacted when the ball hit the crossbar. It looked as though, again, in slow motion, as though Scott was slow to react, which is unlike Scott Dan. And I, I, I just... I just the point I've been trying to make is I just felt over the last couple of weeks he doesn't look as confident as he as he did. Um, he look, just looks as though he's to me through no no issue with him at all. Just looks as though he's lost that yard of sharpness which he normally has to read the game. Um, when he came back and played against Leeds, obviously a few weeks ago and scored that first header, he just seems to have lost that little bit of sharpness again. And that that's the point I was making. But again, the Villa Villa reacted quicker on everything. And when the ball hit the crossbar for that second goal, as soon as that second goal went in then I didn't feel there was any way back for Palace today. To be you said a little bit earlier about being being clever and saying you know, Zahar in the Mingsing was, was cleverer than him. And I thought in the second half, we were much cleverer than you were. And you, I think you mentioned it, the foul, um, Milivojevic, the, the kids in that stupid, stupid foul on El Ghazi, going nowhere. And El Ghazi was just clever. Again, hold the ball up. I'll wait until you see you poke your leg in, win the free kick, and, and there you go. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, give us give us a chance to do something, get the ball in there, and then turn the it up. It was just it was just yeah. smarter. We were smarter than you in the second half. Yeah, and hungrier, and hungrier, definitely yeah. hungrier. Because for that second goal, I think Luke, you sent a text out at the point. I, I think someone beat Joel Wall, didn't they? And he, he shouldn't really beat Joel Wall to get it. You know, on You're before, right, I think, yeah. Joel Joel Wall was it? Was it was it Watkins? No, that wasn't Watkins. Sorry, I it thought was... it was Watkins, but I don't think it was. Was it? Because it was for the second goal. Watkins hit the bar, didn't he? With a header. Yeah, but who who got the flick across? Because yeah. someone got across Joel Wall oh, right. to beat him at the back post. Uh, one of the Villa boys beat him. Wanted it more than Joel Wall. Did at the back post, which is rare 
Because that's not normally Joel's game, is it? He's normally pretty good. 100% right, Kev. 100% right. And I, and I think to your earlier point about Scott Dan, I actually think none of them are um, exempt from criticism today. But a bar maybe the keeper, because I don't think he could have done anything on any three goals. Um, and also, I, I think Zahar... Effort, yep. he, he effort tracking back defensively. I mean, he wasn't at his best defensive, offensively, but defensively, I thought he was really good today. Apart yeah. from that, I don't think many of them take much credit today. You know, well, Jeff I, worked quite hard. I thought Schluppy yeah. worked quite hard, in fairness, but but yeah, even, even so, Kev, I'd probably say him and, and also Eze tried hard, but I think they probably had off off days themselves as well. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to think of many, I, I can think of a few of them who should be thinking long and hard about, about today. I mean, um, Ben, I don't know what your your um, observations are of Patrick Van Arnold. See, for us, he's great going forward. But as a left-back, he needs to be able to defend. And he can't yeah. defend. And, and, and it's time and time again, he's caught up possession. It's about three or four times, say, Scott Dan, when to your Scott Dan point earlier, Kev, one of the positives from today was that the poor bloke was left playing left-back a few times. First and there was goal. one point, who, who, who was it who did him for pace on the right-hand side? In the Watkins. First? Watkins. Yeah, just left him. Goal, I mean, yeah. the, the, poor, the poor bloke's what, you know, he's a 30-something centre-back who hasn't got the legs. Um, and, and he's being left with a 20-something, you know, attacking player. And, and so, you know, we have a lot of um, discussion on this pod about about Patrick Van Arnold. Similarly, Luca as well for us, for our captain. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've said already, I, I, I don't think we should start this game. But yeah, any, any observations, Ben, on, on, on sort of Palace as, as an opposition team? I mean, well, just on, on Van Arnold, I've always really liked him, but that's from, I say, kind of, uh, I guess, a, almost a match of the day point of, point of view, if you like, high, a highlights kind of player. And I guess what you see is, yeah, this marauding left back who occasionally breaks forward and yeah runs onto a three ball and lashes it into the bottom corner and you think, yeah, I like that, but not seeing the other side of it. Yeah, I've always quite liked it from that point of view, but I can I can understand the frustrations I guess of uh, yeah full fullbacks that, that go missing. Actually, I got there's three things and they've all sort of come up. One of them was effort. One of them is about your midfield, and one of them is about your front three. First thing on the effort was I thought across the board we were probably ten percent more into it across you know, the mm. the intensity everything we chased down the, the tracking back everything i thought we, we we had more i don't know if that's typical of palace or not the midfield one was with douglas louise and mcginn even when we were down to 10 men in the second half we seemed to have them available 30 40 yards from goal we were breaking forward and so they had the front three ahead of them with you guys whenever you went forward it felt like it was as or zaha that had it and that's one of your front three and the midfield had thought didn't really look as if they were going to do anything. They didn't look like they were going to break beyond or they didn't look like they were going to bury one from, from 20 yards. So I was wondering what you thought of that midfield. Is, again, is that typical? Is the, It felt like that may be a bit light in something. And the front three, and it's kind of what you just said about Watkins, that I was just thinking Watkins against Benteke, both playing with that sort of central striker, both playing with two creative players off him. Um, yet what Watkins brings to help, whether it's El Ghazi, Traore, Greedish, whoever's playing their roles, but what 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 yeah, what Watkins does to help them run the channels, pull them out of space, he's he's set up God knows how many goals be it from your yeah, parries from the keeper being in challenging for the ball. Um and I thought compared to Ben Tech, I'd love to see the heat maps from today's game and the mm-hmm. distance run because if Watkins Probably. didn't run three times more than Ben Tech did, I'll be I'll be surprised. So those are the three things I can ask you. Is is the intensity a problem? Is that normal for you guys? The midfield doesn't seem to offer. It didn't really seem to challenge us at all today, even with 10 men. Begin and Louise had so much time and space on the ball, I thought. 
And then, yeah, Benteke against someone like Watkins. Is Benteke just a, a, you know, a, a statue up front? Is he a big man that you're trying to feed off that's just not working? Does he put the effort in or is um, is, is that is that a problem seeing sort of a different player? So, yeah, those are the three things I was going to ask, ask you about Palace in general, really. Re- really good points, Ben. Let's take, mm. let's take them in turn. So on the on the sort of the energy point, I'd agree with you. You said 10%. That's being really generous, actually. I think <laughs> Palace was sort of, uh, it, was, it was ridiculous today. And the frustration that we have is that Palace's team is all about effort. We recognise that there's very few sort of bars are hard. There's very few sort of stars in inverted commas in that team. Um, and that they largely are based on work rate. So, you know, listeners to this pod will know we talk long and hard about Jeffrey Schlupp. You know, he's not a household name. Okay, he's a established Premier League player, but he's he's not going to sort of, you know, get anyone excited when, when they sign him. Indeed, probably us us three as Palace fans weren't really very. And probably, actually, I remember thinking £13 million, that's a lot of money for Jeffrey Schlupp. We signed him, what, four years ago, whatever it was, in that January transfer window. But actually, you know, it's players like him and the effort they put in that makes Palace the team it is. So today for us, probably that's where we're actually coming from in our frustration is that the effort wasn't there. And, 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 and with 11 men versus 10, we should be putting the effort in. We're 1-0 down. We had the opportunity here to go on and, and you know, we should have won that game. And the frustration there is that we didn't show the effort. As, as Palace fans, if, Palace, if the team have played and they've put 100%, 110% in, left nothing, nothing out there, then we're happy. You know, even if we lose by a couple or whatever it might be, Yes, last, last week's uh, drubbing is the exception there. But, you know, most most Palace fans, if we lose it by a couple and, and we've we've sort of been on it and the team's been there, we'll, we'll be we'll back them, we'll be behind them. It's when they don't show the effort like today that the frustration comes out. Luke? I, I think the first and, and second points can kind of be summarised that, that I think we look very leggy in midfield. I think that Luke Milivojevic could, could do with a, a spell out of, of the starting lineup, should we say. Um, and I think he was used quite sparingly and probably looked best when he was coming off the bench and, and getting sort of 15, 20 minutes here and there a few games back. Uh, and James McArthur, I think, for much as I love Jimmy Mack and, and, you know, he's often the soundtrack to my games when I can bypass the commentary and just get the stadium sound. I think he needs, he also could do with a, a breakout out, out of the starting lineup. And perhaps you want to move someone like Jeffrey Schlupp, someone who is a bit more, I don't know, industrial is the word, but, you know, he's got a bit more... It, 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 innovation in him and he can drive the ball forward a little bit more and maybe move him in and, and you can bring someone like Andrus Townsend. You just need fresh legs for me. You, you, need, you need, you know, in this, in this period where we've played, what is it? We're playing on, in two, two days time. Um, and it doesn't feel like only last week, I, I know we've got to be played. You need to rotate to the midfield because it's the hard, hardest working part of your team. And on, and on Watkins, I, I think you kind of saw it a little bit when Batshuayi came on. He had to drop in in between almost sort of the two centre backs to to pick the ball up and get involved in the game because yeah Benteke wasn't doing it but again you could argue that's not Benteke's game I'd, I'd love to hear your view on on Benteke Ben because you know given your experience with him at Villa um, obviously scoring uh, was it twenty seven goals or twenty three goals in one season and getting his big money move to to to, to, to live I mean how does he look as as a different player? The shadow, absolute shadow of the, uh, the the player that we saw. Yeah, it's one of those. It's just sort of really sad. It's, it's horrible, isn't it? When you have a player that you that you love who's just it just works, it clicks, and he didn't he didn't put a foot wrong at Villa, and then you see him go and get that move, and it doesn't work out, and then it just seems to be downhill. When they said today, I didn't really realise. I think he had a, a, quite a bad injury. Did they say? Uh, did he yeah. I didn't realise it would. He, he'd had such a big setback, I guess, because he'd not sort of not really been featuring. You don't notice when someone disappears for a for a few months if they've been in and out of a team. But um, yeah, it's just sad. You sort of see little 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 glimpses that sort of turn and shot into the side netting, and you think 
Oh, yeah, I've seen him do that before. Yeah, receiver back, back to goal, 15 yards out, one touch turn, whack, top corner. And when things are going right and the player's absolutely on fire with it, they, they fly in. And then, yeah, you sort of see it now. And it's like I say, it's just it's 50, 60% of the player that's... Um, that we that we remember having. Kev, we're fans of Bentech, aren't we, from an effort perspective? What was your view on what went wrong today? So in answer to the uh, questions Ben asked about an hour ago, uh, I'm now going to answer <laughs> them as well from my perspective. I'm joking. Um, I, I think, obviously, work rate is, uh, you said it a little while ago, Matt, Palace didn't get out of the blocks today. Oh, I don't know if they'd had too much turkey yesterday or whatever, but we were sluggish all the way across the pitch. That's not our normal game. Uh, if 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 we watched the first 65 minutes against West Ham two weeks ago in the Tottenham game, we were exceptional. You know, but believe it or not, Ben, you won't believe this, but for 25 minutes in the Liverpool game in the first half, we were all over Liverpool, and that's that's the truth. That at one nil, we were the better team in the Liverpool game. We didn't get out of the blocks at all today. So now I think Benteke then suffers off the back of that, because mm-hmm. for us, believe it or not, Benteke has been playing very well, and actually his work rate. And you're right, his heat map today would have been poor. But I think that comes from the fact that there wasn't a lot going on around the rest of the park. We weren't doing anything quickly. You know, we were sluggish on everything. And, and you know, that's not making excuses. You know, he is mostly a shadow of the player we saw at Villa. I mean, me and Luke stood there when he, he ran away at the halfway line at Sellers Park for Villa and ran all the way and scored an absolute beauty when he robbed uh, Scott Dan playing for you. He scored 16 goals for us in our first season when he came to us after Liverpool. So we're big fans, as Matt says, and I don't don't judge him on today. In fairness, you know he should never have got sent off two weeks, uh, two games ago, which was a shame. Um, but I would have expected more of him today, going back against the Villa. To be honest with you, um, as much as he loved the Villa, you you hope that players are going to find an extra yard when they go against one of their old teams because they want to, you know prove how good they were when they, in their day. So we were, it was just a very bad off day. I think the thing for me about Palace now, and uh, we've got two really tough games. We've got Leicester City, uh, which are obviously, you know, have come back again today and showed character to get a result against United. And then we've got Sheffield United. Now, I think they're nil-nil at the moment at halftime with Everton. Th- these are important games for Crystal Palace at the moment because suddenly, if we're not careful, we're only seven points at the moment above the relegation zone. And I don't want to be, you know, Scrooge and bar humbug at Christmas, but we've got to get our arse in gear a bit sharpish. Um, and today, all we were looking for today, I thought, was a, was a response from the Liverpool game. And we didn't get it. And that worries me if we've not got a response Villa are a good side, but they shouldn't have beat us 3-0 with 10 men. Greatest respect. I don't quite agree with Matt that we should have won the, the game. I think we all know you have to earn the right to win a game of football. And we didn't earn the right today. We didn't deserve to take it on to the next level, whereas Villa did. I think I think you're right, Kev. I think the energy was definitely lacking there today. I think, I think the, the disappointing of the second half is the fact that you know, we we should we should up our game against ten men, and and it looked the complete opposite from Palace's perspective, and and the energy is a massive part of that. Um, I don't know if it is coming off the back of the the, the game last week. I don't know if it's um, well too much too much too many pigs in blankets uh, yesterday, whatever it was. But there was so, there was something they're lacking, and and it and it makes you worry because um, you know they, these these performances could quickly become a bad run for Palace when actually we've had a really good season so far we've we put in some really good performances like you said Kev against Tottenham uh spells against Liverpool um, and others you know that we've talked about in this podcast before so it is a shame we just do hope that Roy and Ray can work their magic from a perspective and turn things around because we don't want to be watching too 
many more games like this when you know it is so disappointing. Um, like I say, you don't you don't mind so much from a Palace perspective when the effort is there, but it certainly wasn't there today. Um, so as as always, we try and look onwards, onwards and upwards. Um, and and like like you said, Luke, we got another game in forty eight hours or less than forty eight hours. So, so they come thick and fast at this time of the year. So it's not the time of year to be in a be in a bad run. Uh, certainly. So that will wrap up there for, for part one. In part two, we'll come back with you and, and talk with Ben a little bit about his memories of uh, Villa Palace games. Uh, any memorable players? Uh, we've talked about Benteke, but I'm sure there's others between the two teams. Uh, and any other sort of Crystal Palace and Villa related memories. So stay with us and join us back for part two. <laughs> So welcome back to part two of the Six Pointer podcast. Um, as we mentioned at the end of part one, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about Crystal Palace and Aston Villa-related memories, uh, as it will be uh, a real opportunity to, to, to miss to uh, not talk about that with Ben as he's with us today. Um, so, Ben, we'll start with you. Crystal Palace versus Aston Villa games. Any sort of that jump out of the memory box there? Yeah, I mean, the um, I've only, only been to Selhurst once. Um and I, I did have to check it. We had the little break there. I thought I'd just check which, which year it was and see when it was. So uh, 1990, I believe. Um, bog standard league game. I don't think anything in there, anything hugely at stake, but um, a one a one nil defeat for Villa. But uh, yeah, the the probably the worst away day certainly that my dad would say he'd ever ever had. I used to um, bad dream to take me to games and um, yeah, I made him drive me down from Birmingham down to Southampton and various various different places. And we said, "Yep, yeah, gone. Let's go. Let's go down to let's go to the Palace game." So we uh, we drove we drove down there, drove to the ground with very little thought of where where we might be able to park, where you go, what you do. Um, couldn't find anywhere. Running behind schedule, so we eventually dumped the car somewhere. Missed about the first twenty minutes of the game. Tried to pay to go into the away end for for standing, and we were told that it was was full and we weren't allowed in. So we we paid for paid for seats. Promptly walk up to our seats to look at the away end and realise that's very, very definitely not full. So uh, took, took a few took a few quid extra out of our pockets for the uh, the privilege of sitting down to watch it. One nil down by the time we got to our seats, nothing else happened for the rest of the game. So uh, <laughs> paid pay full price to watch seventy minutes of pretty pretty terrible football. Then left the ground back to the car to find that the place we'd uh, cleverly decided to abandon it was uh, not not legally parked. So. Uh, Parking ticket and a very quiet, sulk, sulky drive home with uh, with an irate father um, who didn't, didn't have the best of Saturdays that day. So that's that's my only only ever visit to Selhurst, and it's um, yeah, thirty years ago that, and it's, it still lives long in the memory as a, as a, not not a fun day out. <laughs> that's a brilliant story. Has anyone got any nicer memories of going to Villa Park as a Palace fan? Well, yeah, I I think you've got to go in the same year to Villa Park. Um, one of our best days ever, but it wasn't playing the Villa. It was going to the great Villa Park for an FA Cup semi-final in the April of 1990, where we beat a certain Liverpool 4-3. So on a day where we're trying to find some silver linings, that is a day of going to Villa where it was a good day in the same year, no parking ticket, four goals. <laughs> and uh, my, my nan, God rest her soul, died the following week. And we came home from that night and went straight to Mayday Hospital, put some balloons around her bed and said, Crystal Palace are going to the cup final, Nan. And she passed away the following Saturday when we played Arsenal. So I've got good memories of Villa Park. And don't don't yeah. you miss FA Cup semi-finals at neutral grounds? Villa oh, Park so as well. Better. Yeah. Villa Park, shouldn't be at Wembley, should it? Villa Park is the place. Yeah. Villa yeah. Park's the place for a cup semi-final. Some of the best cup semi-finals ever played at Villa Park. And, I, and that's not because of the Palace game. I mean, you've only got to look at the, uh, I think, the Arsenal-Man United, United, the treble year. 
That was the be- one of the best one with the Giggsy goal where he scores, you know. So Villa Park is where FA Cup semi-final should be played, you know. It's a well, great it FA stadium. Cup, FA Cup quarter-final, we were, we were there, Matthew, in, tw- in, in March of 2010, uh, February of 2010 it would have been. Um, obviously, it was a replay because we'd drawn 2-2. Um, Ambrose got an absolutely amazing free kick. It was Valentine's James, James Day. Collins, James Collins got the equaliser for, for Villa, I think it was, yeah, late on header. in the game. So it forced, forced a replay, which is actually well welcomed at the point because Palace in administration and, and the TV money, because I think it was going to be up on uh, BBC that night, that gave, gave us a bit of a, a, bit of a boost. And I think actually, that even at the time, I remember reading the story that Villa said that we could keep all the gate receipts as well from, from the home game as well, instead of splitting them as, as you often do at FA Cup games. So that was a nice touch. But me and you went up there, Matthew, and I think we sold our allocation of, of the entire of the top, up, top half behind the goal and that little section to, to the left of us as well. I think yeah. there were about 4,000, maybe 4,500 Palace fans. And although we went on to lose the game, Alan Lee got a very dubious penalty um, which drew it back to 1-1 after going down very early on. And it went on to extra time where, where John Carew absolutely tore us a new one. But the atmosphere um, is something about those stadiums, you know, I like in Cedars Park in, in terms of the Arthur weight and, and the low roof and you can really make a noise. And I really hope that, um, that Cellars can, can be developed into something, you know, like Villa Park in the sense that you keep that atmosphere whilst also growing, growing as a stadium. And, and uh, yeah, gr- great time. Uh, that, that's my, I think that's my one experience at Villa Park. I think like you, you said, Luke, um, and yeah, I'd class it in that sort of proper football ground mm. um, group that, of which unfortunately there's, there's very few um, and, and sort of a lot of the soulless bowls now that all look and feel the same and have no atmosphere. But so yeah, I'd, I'd look to go back at some point um, in the future. I'm, proper proper football grounds is certainly one of the ones that, that has atmosphere. That, that's one that the fans are sort of you know in on the pitch and you know you, you I'm sure you know as a as an opposition player that you're you're there at away ground. Um, and and Ben the the Holt end is always famous for that. Although our experience, as Luke alluded to, the, the sort of the whole ground was was sucking the ball into the back of the net. In that in that evening we went to, what what's it like being a home van there when when where everyone's behind the team? Um, oh, when everyone's behind the team, it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you, and you're right. Yeah, when the, the whole thing kind of sets uh, sets the tone, and yeah, the rest of the stadium can go. There's there's noise coming from from all around there, and uh, yeah, but the whole thing is special. I I started going there when it when it was standing, and um, yeah, that yeah that proper old surge forward and yeah grabbing hold of a crash barrier to make sure you don't, you know, don't disappear from your, from your friends that you've gone with. And um, yeah, just you know, the, the guys at the back, you bang on the old sort of the tin, um, you know, the, the, the tin back to the, the stand there, which it wasn't tin, but uh, you know, just a corrugated metal. You make a hell of a racket coming from the back there. And the, you knew the guys where, where they stood, who started all the, uh, all the thing, you know, and when, when it, yeah, when it goes, it's, it's absolutely superb. I've been in there and the noise just hasn't stopped for 90 minutes. It's new. We've had a good first half. Doesn't matter about half time. Nobody's going anywhere. It's just constant noise throughout the game. And when when the whole thing's behind you, um, yeah, it, it must be a fantastic place to play football. Can't say that Villa Park is always one hundred percent behind the team. I'm, I'm sure that uh, plenty of occasions when, <laughs> when I've heard the whole thing turn on uh, turn on people as well, turn on the team or certain players, and it must be must be equally horrible. But when it when it's rocking, and like you said, you know, a game like today when in theory, we should have been up against it ten men, and we've come out and, and played as well as we have. And the Liverpool game earlier, you think, oh yeah, what a shame that there isn't forty thousand inside that stadium. Just mm. it would be, yeah, it'd be shaking, absolutely shaking. So um, yeah, 
a, a great place to watch football. Absolutely fantastic when it's when it's going well, like it would be now. Um, mm. And everyone, yeah, that's what you get, isn't it? I suppose you've, we've got a team that, that's working hard, playing well, a manager that the fans love. And even if we didn't get the results, our home form hasn't been great this season. I don't think it'd be turning on them this season. That's that's for sure. I think even those defeats, you know, people would appreciate what they're seeing. And um, yeah. I can't can't wait for to see uh, to see that stadium full again and hopefully appreciating more performances like that. It's uh, yeah a great a great old, old stadium to go and watch football in, whether you're in the whole end and or uh, we'll say I, I grew up in the uh, in the north stand originally from the other end looking at it going I want to be in there that's where I want to be and uh, yeah have the happiest memories of reverse uh, standing on the whole end for sure. What about yourself, Matt? For your great memories of Palace Villa at Celeste. I think oh, I think Lou's covered the away game. The Sellers one, I can't actually remember a game other than the Valentine's Day one that's been mentioned. The, uh, the Ambrose free kick is my recollection from that game. But yeah, we've had some good battles with Villa in the last sort of 10 years or so. Um, unfortunately, the last couple of seasons, Palace haven't done too well away. Um, but yeah, it's been a bit of a bit mixed in that perspective. But well, let's talk about players then in terms of who's moved between the clubs. So I think when we had a bit of a chat before this, Kev, you made a great shout, one of my favourites, Ray Houghton. I loved Ray Houghton. He was a great mm-hmm. player for us. I know he was a great player for you as well, Ben, wasn't he? Any yeah. any other sort of great shouts for players that have moved directly between the two clubs? Well, I'm going back a little bit, but can I just say, just before we do that, we did have one good Boxing Day win. I don't know if you remember our first season back in the Premiership, Marcus Gale scored up there. Uh, no, Marcus yeah, Gale! Marcus, yes, a great on, show. On Marcus Gale! Gale. <laughs> on, boxing, on Boxing Day, seven, <laughs> seven, seven years ago, I think. What a goal. And that was last-minute goal, so Sorry, so I go, yeah. I, I'm constantly trying to find some positives out of today after <laughs> after being ripped to bits by Villa. Um, but yeah, I, I, I one old player I like from memory years gone by, Gary Thompson. Do you remember Gary Thompson? Played for Coventry, played for Villa, and played for Palace. And uh, he, you know, he was a good player, uh, centre forward. Didn't play too many games for Palace because of right and bright. It was around about that time, uh, and we didn't get in many games. But he, he was he was a good one for us as well. Andy Gray, we only talked about Andy Gray a few weeks ago when we had the Tottenham mm-hmm. boys on the pod. So uh, played for Villa uh, and, and the Palace. He was another good one. But as you say, work rate of Ray Houghton. What a wonderful... Yeah. We could have done with that today, couldn't we? Eh? Could have done with that out there today. How old, about you, when he, how old was Houghton when he went to Palace then? He was in his twilight, wasn't he? So he, I think he was 34 when he came to us. Because yeah. he, he only lasted another two seasons with us yeah the season he signed where we got into the playoffs and, and failed unfortunately because of Claridge's shin and then he was part bit part of, of the following promotion season um, where unfortunately his, his, his legs started to show a little bit and he was more of a sort of off the bench player but he was class you know he, he was he was one that I can remember him you know really sort of um, you talk about players when when they come and, and their body language, the way he could open his body up and 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 almost effortlessly spray the ball around. It was it was uh, one of the first real classy players that I, I remember at Palace. Uh, Sasser Church came in the, last, the next season. Although I think he might have gone via, via Bolton to us rather than straight from Villa. Is that right? We, we got we got him from Bolton, so I think oh, he, yeah, he might, okay. yeah, I think he might have gone to you from us. He sort of went. I think he well, I think he went to went from us to you via. Fire God knows where. I think he went missing for a little bit, didn't he? And then, uh, <laughs> and then re- resurfaced at Palace after a couple of couple of months travelling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was certainly a character, and, and uh, he was one of the few highlights from our, uh, our our rock bottom season in ninety seven, ninety eight. There, Gareth Southgate's probably the biggest name I'd, I'd I'd imagine, given you know his 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 uh, 
England career, manual career at the moment. Any more, Matthew, you could think of? Or, or Ben, even? Wayne Routledge. Routledge played Yeah. Yeah, Yannick Balassi. A little bit. Yannick, yeah. Blimey. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, this is a good shout. Yeah, that is Balassi. a good shout. Was, was, he, was he only on loan at Villa? Or did yeah, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. had him for a half, half a season, I think. The, yeah, what, what did you make of him? Yeah. Talented, but not not always there. And I think that's sort of been reflected in his career, hasn't it? He looks like a guy who on, on his day can be absolutely fantastic. Um, but, yeah, one, one, one in every four, you think, oh, we've got a player here and the other three. Just wasn't wasn't there for us at all, from from what I remember. No, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask if we if we're done on ex Palace players. I wondered if I we could just if I could just ask Ben if you don't mind, Ben. Of all the players you've watched at Villa over the years, and you've had some wonderfully talented players over the years, who's excited you most uh, when you've watched over your entire Villa career? The the best player without a shadow of a doubt that's ever been at Villa, apart from me, is McGrath. Never seen, never seen Paul a player McGrath. like him. Never seen a player like McGrath before. He's not one that excites you, but he's one you just come away going, "Oh, oh that was a privilege to watch that man play football." I don't think he, I don't think he ever ran or. He know, didn't train, did he? He didn't oh, train. No, and no. Any, anyone who plays with him, mm. everyone when you see him on the sky when they do their favourite players they've played with, yeah, everyone said, "Could you imagine if he'd been able to train that guy as well?" He was just yeah. immense, wasn't he? Oh, as a footballer, absolutely immense yeah. footballer. Yeah, and that's friend. interesting when you think of some of the exciting strikers you've had, and obviously yeah. winning the winning the European Cup in '82 and that, and some of the great players you've had there to go with a defender. That says yeah. a lot, doesn't it, about how classy he must have been over the years? Brilliant. I always think. Of, uh, I always think of Dalian Atkinson when I think of sort of you know um, legendary mm. Villa players from an opposition sound perspective. Any as well, yeah. and you, met, you mentioned that shirt as well, earlier. Matthew. The Dalian Atkinson shirt. It was the '94 shirt, '93, '94 shirt with the, the string. The little yeah, the little lace up front. Oh, yeah, yeah, classic, absolute yeah. classic. But you got because you mentioned Wimbledon earlier. The uh, that that goal, Dalian Atkinson goal against uh, Wimbledon, made took it from the halfway line, and like I said, it was. Uh, that was that was pace and skill and strength and then just to chip his uh, Hans Sagers was it chipped it over Hans Sagers just went, went up there stood underneath the umbrella arms out you think yes, yes. That's, that's a goal we've, we've had some we've had some exciting players in the past we've had a, a few a few hit and miss but yeah there's, there's been a few good ones Platt as well um, yeah now I love I love Platt when he was there he was a fantastic player and someone like Gordon Cowens as well who, who if like got various three spells I think he had at Villa and he was. Uh, he was super, superb in every one of them. So, uh, Ian Taylor. Ian Taylor, yeah. yeah, good player. Hugo Egiog, for me, was a wonderful player. Who Sadly, another one who sadly passed mm. away, who was a wonderful Aston Villa player. Went and played at Tottenham and that. Complete gentleman as well. But uh, I was just going to say, Ben, and, and obviously if we've got time at the end, it'd be great to know where you were on the day when Peter Wiv put that in and you won that European, uh, how old you would have been <laughs> in 82 and and what that yeah. must have been like. Because we can only dream of that. I, I mean, I, you mostly won't have seen, but it's well known on this pod. We have been to Europe. We went to the Isle of Sheppey last year, which uh, is a little place down off the, just off the Kent, uh, Kent Riviera. Uh, but that's the closest we've been to Europe, unfortunately, <laughs> as Palace fans. So uh, you, you can tell us what it's all about later i'll do my best i was, I was eight so uh... eight. good stuff things i think the villa do very well is try and incorporate some of their history into their current you know uh they've always seemed to have that sort of element so i think of gabby of obviously being a villa fan and and, and being a, such a mainstay throughout the sort of the 20 2010s and that and now you've got a manager in, in charge of the club who was obviously a boyhood boyhood fan and i think there's it's, it's quite clever 
I don't want to say PR, but it is, I guess, in the sense in, in, in the sense that the board are obviously thinking, you know, this man can do this job or this player can do this job and they've got this connection with the club. It brings up nostalgia, which you get when you go to the stadium and, and, and probably why a lot of neutrals, you know, really like Aston Villa. Yeah, we have. We've got, like you mentioned, um, Ian Taylor and he's um, a club ambassador now and the same with Brian Little. They, they've appointed the two of them to to just go out and I think uh, Taylor does an awful lot on social media. He, he travels the world. He, he'll go and visit the uh, Chicago villains and go and watch a, a lot of near a game with them in a bar. He's, he's every game he can possibly get to home and away. Um, and I think, yeah, having people like that, you know, Brian Little was absolutely adored and so was, so was Taylor just because of, it's, it's not often, I think, that you hear of other you know, professional players who go and watch their own club when they're still playing for another team and, and Taylor did that. He went to watch Villa in a cup final when he was still playing for, if it was Port Vale or Sheffield Wednesday at the time, but you know, he went as a fan and then year later signed for the club and that yeah that kind of love and enthusiasm for a club is is what you want to see and yeah for, for those guys to be there and talking about the club positively and, and getting out there and, and and being part of it still is really nice yeah it'd be very easy to to lose your your legends and um yeah it's, it's yeah it's, it's nice that we've got paid people like that that the club have, have bought back in and are actively using that, that, that is nice yeah we don't always get it right over the years but that's um, yeah good, and, and I think the owners at the moment are are really good at that. They've uh, they clearly know what they're doing. They're they're taking the club in the right direction. They're making a lot of the right decisions, and uh, yeah, can't I can't fault what's going on behind the scenes at the moment, and 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 keeping faith with Smith as well. Yeah, but we've got a manager yeah. like I said before that the supporters are really behind because of who he is and his background, um, and they could have very easily yeah ditched him when it wasn't looking good last season. I don't think any of us really thought we were staying up last year, but. He, uh, you know, he, he did what he needed to do. They stuck with him and, and reaping the rewards now. So yeah, and I, I guess it always helps when His Royal Highness um, can come <laughs> and uh, sort of uh, uh, buy a few boxes whenever he, uh, perhaps we're going to any sort of trouble at all. We've always got, always got that sort of backing, which which will be nice, wouldn't it? Well. We, we also remember we had David Cameron who claimed to be a Villa or was it a West Ham fan? So uh, we'll, 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 we'll the colours are there. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take, well, I'll take Prince William. Actually, he can be our celebrity fan. There's a lovely shot from a game. It's um, with Prince William standing next yes. to John Carew, celebrated. So you think that there's something very weird but very lovely about that, that Prince William and John Carew have somehow become friends in life. You think? I'm quite <laughs> sure that was likely to happen. But um, So I suppose my two questions are, how far can Dean take them? Because obviously you are absolutely riding the crest of wave, but playing very, very well. So what will success look like for now this season? And the second question, I suppose, is um, if ever Dean wasn't there, is JT ready to possibly step up if because he seems to have totally been embraced by the Villa fans from what I see uh, I don't know if it's just rumour but when he came in one of the things was he put all his medals on the table and said I've won this you know but what are we going to do moving forward you know because he, he does speak for himself um, and I, I just wondered what your take was on JT because it seems as though he's got a very very solid set up there uh, behind him. Yeah, on him, it's it's been positive. I think I think when he first came in, we probably expected an awful lot. Um, that I think because you know, we, we we weren't doing particularly well in the championship, we were we were conceding goals, and I think everyone thought, here we go, this guy's going to come in, and he's going to turn us around, and, and he didn't. We didn't have a big impact immediately. Um, so I think he got a little bit of stick to start with, and everyone was, you know, what's, what's he doing? We you know, defense is worse than it's ever been. But again, that you know perseverance, and it, it seems to be. It seems to be paying off. Obviously, Smith was a defender as well. So, between the two of them, um, yeah, and and uh, there were there were banners up as well about Terry. That was, I think, it was you know, Smith. It was some people. Some people are born a villain, 
Uh, so some some people are born into a club, or some some just fall in love. I can't remember what the wording was, but yeah. we seem very much to have embraced him and gone, okay, that's it. You're you're part of us now. Whether if Smith was to walk away tomorrow, would I want John Terry in charge? Probably not. In all honesty, um, I like the way he's conducted himself at Villa. Um, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of him as a as a as a player, as an opposition player, and all the, the stuff that went on. But yeah, I think he's conducted himself really well. He hasn't muscled in. It doesn't feel like he's the he's the big name who's waiting for Smith to make a mistake so he can pounce on his job. And they seem mm. to talk very highly of him and how much he's how much he's learning from Dean Smith and, and wants to learn the ropes. So um, I, I like him being there. I think he is doing a good job. Not sure I would think he's ready to to step in. I um, I like like someone who knows the ropes a bit more, but I don't know, a bit of an un- unknown quantity, really. And and as for success for us this season, um, <laughs> the goalposts have changed significantly. Um, at the start, <laughs> yeah, at the start of the season, yeah, we said staying up last year was what he wanted, and I, I would have taken probably three places higher. For me, it was very much about first season stay up, second season if we can be clear of the relegation battle with seven or eight games to go, that would be a great position to be in. Now, I suppose I'd I'd still. 14th upwards, which, which sounds really negative from where we are right now. But realistically, we've got a small squad. There's going to be bigger challenges than we face so far. We've been pretty lucky. We've got some good teams to play. If it's top half, that that would be outstanding. Yeah, 12th, 11th, 12th, really good. But yeah. if if we're way out of trouble and we don't, we're not in any danger of getting sucked into anything, and we can blood a few of the younger players for next season and, and that kind of thing towards the end of it, I would. I would take 14th upwards as being you know, progress. Um, but yeah, the other little bit of me is looking at it at the moment and going, we're, we're fifth at the moment. So, <laughs> who, who in. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think I think part of the course is probably 14th, something like that. Um, and and anything, anything above that, I think you've got to say that that's been a successful season. Yeah. I think as we're finding this league, it's a bit hit and miss, isn't it? And, and, and a run of a few games, like we're on now, that yeah. aren't in your favour, you can easily go the other way. And, and uh, you know, Palace have survived for the last uh, eight, nine years, whatever it is, basically on having consistently good runs in the second half of the season. Last couple of years have been a bit different for Palace in that, you know, we've actually started quite well which is completely alien to us. By Christmas, we're normally in the relegate, relegation zone thinking, do we need to change the manager? How is he going to spend in January? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, to be relatively mid-table is, is a good place for us to be. So, you know, hearing your take that, I think is a very logical and sensible place mm. to be. Yeah, I mean, um, we, have, we, have, we haven't played Chelsea or City or United or Spurs yet. Yeah. But by the same token, the games that we've lost have been at home to Southampton and Brighton and, and West Ham. So, Well, you've played Palace at Villa Park, so you've got your three points um, either way. <laughs> it's, been, it's been great to have you on the pod, Ben. Thank you very much for, for joining us. Thanks for being so polite, considering you wallet to 3-0 this afternoon. <laughs> and thanks Pleasure. also to, to Kevin and Luke. Uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. Hope you had a good, a good day uh, and a uh, boxing day. Obviously a bit different this year. Um, and stay safe. Uh, Palace's next game is on New Year. No, it's not New Year's Day, is it? It's a day after. It's no before New Year's Monday, Day. Yeah. It's Leicester, Leicester Monday. at home, and then we've got a day game on the second for some reason. It's not the first, is it? This this uh, well, next year, I should say, twenty twenty one. Villa, uh, Villa, Villa's next game is Chelsea. I think Kev said earlier. Is that right, Ben? Yeah, Chelsea away on uh, the twenty eighth, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea away and Man United away. So uh, well, see see what we made of. <laughs> we'll talk to you again after that, and see who's still in high school. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you're all right. <laughs> Kevin, I'd like to dedicate today's pod to someone very special. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, Matt. Um, halfway through the game today, I got a text that one of uh, one of my friends from uh, 
a few years ago, I grew up with, played a lot of cricket with and football, sadly lost his fight today against cancer. Uh, a wonderful gentleman by the name of uh, Matthew Scott, married man, twin boys. I think they're about 20 now, the lads, uh, but a, a really lovely family man, come from a wonderful family and uh, he lost his battle today. So just want to say, if I may, uh, rest in peace, Matt, um, you will be greatly missed by uh, a lot of us. So uh, take care. The Six Pointer Podcast.